This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Young Gunner. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Ain't Right, your host for the Michigan State of Mind. So happy that you guys are here. Um... So yeah, so eight days, I've been going hard for eight days, man. Eight days, I've been doing something and trying to get this workout in. For those who are following me, especially on Twitter, social media, you guys have seen me post these videos and um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really, really good. Like my legs feel good. I feel lighter. Um, The mornings, I'm not as lethargic and lazy. So if you guys haven't noticed, uh, I'm posting pretty much every day. me just doing something so i'm i'm not sitting here saying that you guys should do like p90x i'm not saying that you guys should do you know orange theory or these crazy cross fit marathon training things but man just do something you will feel so much better and it's not even about you know it is about you know health and all that but you know just just not feeling just not feeling down not feeling like, I have never felt so refreshed. Like, I haven't felt this refreshed in a long, long time. So, you know, getting a workout in, it just feels so good, man. So, I'm on I'm on day eight. On day eight in a row. Like, no rests. Uh, if your body needs a rest, you can still work on things that you haven't worked on. So, uh, so please, I mean, like, please join me. You guys know my Twitter. It's Ant Right. Um, I'm on there and every day I'm posting something. So please post anything that you guys have. Uh, it could be your workout plan. It could be you sweaty. It could be you working out. Um, just a picture of what you did. I don't care because you never know who needs to see it. You know, it's one thing if I post it, but if plenty of other people are posting too, I mean, that just helps out everyone, including myself. So, so really thank you guys for, um, um, for participating and encouraging me because it goes a long, long way. Um, so CFP came out and pretty much, you know, everyone saw it coming. LSU one, uh, Ohio State two, then Clemson three, and then Oklahoma four. It's going to be interesting. I think the Clemson Ohio State game is going to be interesting. Because um, last time Ohio State played Clemson, it was ugly. It was like 31 or 38 to zero. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case this time. I don't. I don't think Clemson is as good 
and I think Ohio State still remembers that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they are able to fight back from a little bit of adversity that uh, hit them a couple years ago. I think they're a way, they're a way better team now. Um, Oklahoma, LSU, I do believe that, you know, Oklahoma's okay. I don't think they're even close to, to LSU. I think it's just three teams right now who can win a national title. I think the Jalen Hurts story, though, is amazing. If you really – if you look at you know, the last couple years and where he's at now, his story is super dope. I do think it ends against LSU. But still, great, great story for him to go through what he's he's gone through. Um in terms of being resilient, in terms of being a team guy, in terms of doing what's best for Alabama and what's best for him at the same time. He could have bounced, you know, prior to him leaving and he refused to and he and he he helped them claw back and um you know super awesome, you know, good for him. Um but you know it brings me to another thing where you know Michigan fans of course are in the, you know, just beat Ohio State wagon. Ohio State is now 13-0. They won the Big Ten Championship, beating Wisconsin for the second time this year. And um, it's so much more than just saying, you know, beat Ohio State and all this. And I tweeted out, I'm like, you know, you know, look, Before you can even think about beating this Ohio State team, who is way better than years past, because they can get you on both ends. Um, they can get you on offense as well as defense now. I just think that, you know, Michigan has to focus on getting 11 wins. And the reason I said that is because um, you are not going to have a semi-functional eight or nine win above average team, Michigan team, win that game. It's just not going to happen. Michigan has to get up. The program has to have a self-reflection, get itself right first before we're even looking at that game. And, you know, you can't just say, well, if well, if they well, if they want it enough and if they hate them enough, they'll do it. No, no, not at all. You can't just be reckless and beat a team like that. You can't just recklessly hate someone so much and go out there and get a W. That's just not going to happen. If anything, that reckless mentality is a loser mentality because that that mentality to me is like, well, you have nothing to lose. Just hate them and go win. That's just not how this goes. The way that technology is, the game prep that goes into it, you can't just go out there and just say, I'm going to wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm going to go out there and – like that's just that's just not going to happen, especially with, the, with, the, with a juggernaut team like that. There are such a – a level and with them being the rivals, I mean, um, Michigan's not going to beat them until they get home. They get home right first. Home being Schenbeckler Hall training development. Yes, they need to recruit better. Yes, yes, that is um, that is huge in closing the gap. At the same time, they also need to develop better. 
We know that. They need to get better with, with recruiting. They need to get better with developing. But at the same time, you know, Ohio State has beaten in the last, including this season, so in the 2018 season, the 2019 season, um, Ohio State has beaten three teams by at least 23 points. Only three. Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan. That's it. Not Ohio State. No, no, I'm sorry. Not Michigan State. Not Maryland. These teams that we consistently laugh at. Um, only three teams fall in that category. Indiana, Rutgers, and Michigan. That's it. So, you know, you know, yes. Yes, I do believe. I do believe that Ohio State, that Ohio State approaches this game a lot differently than than the other teams. I do agree with that. At the same time, where I'm at is, you know, like I always say this, but you know, sometimes you have to take a step back. They really look at things. Um, I I do think there's you know Ohio State has an as an obsession with beating Michigan. Don't get it twisted. Michigan also has an obsession with beating Ohio State. But I think the 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 difference is that. I think Ohio State has an equal obsession with the process that it's going to take to beat Michigan every single time. What I mean is, like they, like you know, there's a game plan. Like I think there's an obsession to execute every game plan the right way. I think there's an obsession winning every single. Every single snap. I think there's an obsession with attention to detail. I think there's an obsession with the focus that it's going to take to beat Michigan. I don't think they care necessarily about the score while the game is going on. I just think they're they're so obsessed with their focus and so obsessed with the little things. Obsessed with the scouting report. Like, they hate Michigan, but at the same time, they're obsessed with the steps that it takes to fuel their hatred and to win that one game every single year. So, I love being a visual person. If you have 10 steps, right? Say Ohio State and Michigan are both on step one. I just feel that Michigan is obsessed with step 10. Step 10 is feeling that victory. Step 10 is looking up at the scoreboard and seeing that Michigan won the game. I think they are so obsessed with 10, they totally treat steps 2 through 9 like it's every other day. Like yes, they hate they hate them. Like we 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 get that. That step that step 10 but I think Ohio State is obsessed 
the entire, with every step. I think they're obsessed with step one. They're obsessed with step two. They're obsessed with step three. You can't just step on the field against a team like that and expect to skip all these steps and expect victory. That's just not how that works. So that's why I feel that if you get to 11 wins, that means that you are you are turning around your program is one. You're turning around your program. Um, you are breaking a new ceiling. You are understanding what it takes to no longer be above average. Like there's a there's a there's a process to it. There's a there is a process to it. That's that's why I'm that's why I'm saying 11 wins. Because your obsession with the attention to details you look at these stupid careless penalties that Michigan had against Ohio State. If you really look at it, they did the same thing against Michigan State, but Michigan State just wasn't talented enough, and Michigan just overwhelmed them with talent and still acting like fools. But they tried to do the same thing against Ohio State, where they were just reckless, abandoned. That they, you know, every attention to detail was just glossed over. The little things glossed over. We have. You know, offsides on fourth and down. It's fourth and four for a punt. Ohio State scores because Michigan jumps offsides. A situation where there's a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty because he ripped his shoe off. Little careless things. Tarek Black, it's been talked about all year. Run your route to the sticks. That part wasn't upsetting. What was upsetting is he ran to the – he ran eight yards. He had two more yards to go on a third down, and he half-assed his way out of bounds. If that happened with Ohio State, that dude will never play another snap for that school ever again. He was so disconnected, that would never happen at Ohio State. Do you know why? Because they're so obsessed with the little things. They're so obsessed with the intricacies. They're so obsessed with the steps and the work that it takes to be great. That's that's not even a thing to do that. And if you've ever shown this throughout the year, like that's happened throughout the year, like should not have been on the field. Ohio State coaches would not have allowed that. His teammates would not have allowed that. And that's and that's just where I'm at with the with the whole thing. Just beat Ohio State. It's cute. You know, it's you know funny to say it's whatever. But you can't just beat Ohio State half-assing and you have a semi-functional team. It's just not gonna happen. Michigan has to get Michigan right first. Until Michigan is right, you're never going to win that game. And I know a bunch of fans, are they are chopping at the bit. I know that there was a win eight, eight years ago with Brady Hoke. I understand that. But that was not a very good team. That was a 500 team. When was the last time Michigan beat a ranked, a, not, not even ranked, just a good Ohio State team? You know, it's been about 15, 16 years. That is a long time. 
That is a long time. And Ohio State is not going anywhere. They are not slowing down. And it's going to be like that. It's going to be that way for a long, long time unless Michigan can get home right first, unless Michigan can start being obsessed with the process, being obsessed with the little things, being obsessed with being coachable. Until that happens, you know, we're going to keep seeing these results over and over, these 20, 30-point losses. We're going to keep seeing them the end of November until there's an obsession. You know, you guys, you know, always you know, joke, you know, and I'm always joking too about Goat Franklin this, Goat Franklin that. Um, you know, Penn State, they have a three-point win. Then they lose by one, lose by one, and then this year lost by 11. You know, in each of those three losses, you could very well say, you know, Penn State could could have very well been three and one or even four and zero there. A couple things start, you know, a couple things bounce their way. They're not throwing crazy, you know, interceptions and turnovers here and there. And, uh, yeah, man, got to be obsessed with the, with the process. And I don't think we're obsessed with the process. I think we're obsessed with winning and beating them. We're skipping so many steps, man. And that just can't happen. That can't happen. Because if we stay with the same process where we're just obsessed with beating them and we forget everything in between, we're just going to keep getting this, the same exact result over and over and over. So talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, you guys. I have a special guest coming in here in a little bit. But first, I want to get to uh, a few of your questions that you guys had for me. Um, Let's start out with, uh, let's see. MSU slash Detroit Sports Daily, daily underscore MSU. I know people like to bring up Harbaugh getting fired, which I don't understand, but what do you think has to happen for him to be let go? I think what has to happen is he has to no longer have this consistent benchmark. Right now he's consistently 9-10 wins somewhere in there. 
once he starts to get five, six, seven wins, and that's a consistent pattern, recruiting starts to drop off significantly, um, then then we'll probably see a change happen. But until then, he'll probably be there until he says so. Um, right now, he sets you know he set a precedent. He's pretty much on par nine, ten wins. Now he's just got to get better with his recruitment. With recruiting, he's got to get better better with developing each and every year. Um, but I think he can get to that point. He has to break through this, you know, this brick ceiling right now, um, where Michigan historically has pretty much been just right, you know, nine, ten wins all year, every year. Only difference now is that uh, Ohio State is setting a historical precedent being somewhere where they've never been before. I don't think they've been this good for this long. Um, so that's really the only crutch for Harbaugh, but um, he's good right now. He's good right now. He's he's all right. He's not going to go anywhere unless you start, start to see those wins drop consistently, 5-6. Recruiting starts to drop significantly. Now you're recruiting down with like the likes of Indiana and Wisconsin no longer – Penn State are better. Um, but, yeah, he's he's there for the long haul. John G. at Gun Show asks, did Beeline's strict nature lead to the roster turnover we became used to? I don't believe so. I do think that there's a little bit of straightness when it comes to turnovers and because he that was like a huge pet peeve of his. Um, the offense itself was pretty intricate, and it did have a set of rules. Um but what led to the roster turnover was the fact that Beeline ran and he ran NBA concepts all the time. You know, ball screen out front, ball screens on the side, um, handoffs to get leverage, uh, run at screens, different types of slip plays. Those are all NBA NBA concepts. When you have players who are thriving in that system, they end up on draft boards and they end up leaving. You know, that's why, you know, Michigan has the most NBA guys in the NBA right now. And um, and those and those guys are all there over the past, like, five or six years. This isn't like a 20-year total. These are just over the past five or six years that, you know, Beeline has had his guys go to the NBA. So I think it was playing style. And it was – it's more playing style, less – about the uh, strict nature, but either way, good question. Next, we have Zamansky at OG underscore Zamansky. Obviously, expectations have changed for for UMich hoops since the start of the season. Do you think their success so far is sustainable, and what do you think their their ceiling is this year? Uh, first of all, I thought the NCAA was going to be a lot better this year, but it's a bit down. It's a bit down, and, um, and seeing the the things that Michigan's doing, um, this could be a very, very special year. Um, I think it is sustainable because you have senior leadership guys and those are your better players right now. Those are your more consistent players. It's going to be Simpson. It's going to be Livers, Teske, and Brooks has been a nice surprise. Um, and then you have guys like Franz Wagner who are, who are is going to be right there. End of the year, you have guys like Brandon Johns who are coming on, David DeJulius who's coming on. Uh, you know, these are all guys who, the better they play, the easier the game comes to everyone else. 
and it relieves a lot of pressure too. So I think it is sustainable because it's not just one or two guys carrying, it's several. When it's several guys carrying, three or four guys can be off. That just means that three or four guys can can be on. So yes, it is it's very sustainable. And it's nice because you're going to be in the Big Ten. Big Ten, I believe, is the best conference when it comes to, to defense. And I think that's just going to prepare them even more for when they come around to March and play those teams. And um, like I said, I think the NCAA is a bit down this year. There's not a Zion. There's not, you know, one crazy team who's just out there just destroying. There's not a lot of really good senior-led, upperclassmen-led teams right now. There's a there's some good ones, but I'm talking about, like, next level, like a Villanova um, from, uh, you know, 2018, um, you know, there's just, there's just nobody like that this year. Um, and I think the ceiling, you know, I, I, I hate answering this because, you know, as you guys know, it's one of my rules. It's one of my rules not to, um, talk about the NCAA tournament until I see a bracket in front of me. But when, when we're talking about ceiling, uh, if Michigan gets an okay, not even a great, if they get an okay path, they have the they have a chance. But before I even say this, you guys know me. You guys know me. For those who have known me for a long, long time, I don't say things like that. I don't believe. Um, I'm not a homer. I'm not this biased person, you know. But. A Big Ten championship, I think there's there's going to be four teams. Ohio State, who looks really, really good. They can win a national championship. There's Michigan out there, who looks really, really good, who can also win a national championship. Michigan State, who looks not that good right now, but at the same time, they have about two or three months to figure it out. They could win a national championship. Um you have teams like uh, Purdue out there who can win a Big Ten championship. I think those four teams are going to compete for a, a Big Ten title. I'm not a believer in Maryland yet. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just not there. I'm I may change my tone in about a month, month and a half, but I'm just not I'm just not feeling them. I'm just not feeling Maryland at all whatsoever. Uh, talent wise, they can do it, but Turgeon, I mean. I just don't trust the dude at all, man. Um, but, yeah, yeah, Michigan has a really good shot at winning a Big Ten. Ceiling, I think there's three teams who could win a national championship this year. And um, Michigan's one of them. And, uh, and it's just one of those years where I think it's going to be a funky team who wins. Just like 20, 2014, 2013, 2014 year when uh, Kevin Ollie won with uh, UConn. Um, I just think it's just going to be one of those years where the where the final four, it was like a bunch of, it's like a couple mid-seed teams and a couple like lower seed teams. Like I think it's, it's going to be like that this year. A lot of parity right now in basketball. There's no elite team who's – head and shoulders or everybody else. Um, there's not many teams I would take over Michigan on a neutral court. 
like Michigan-Louisville, if, if it's on a, on a neutral court, if you're watching that game, I would take Michigan on a neutral court. Uh, I think that they're playing that well. I think that they're playing that well. And I think that against against Louisville, they didn't play – like they their sub patterns were all jacked up, all jacked up. Like they didn't even sub until like the 9 or 10-minute mark. I think the coaches got a, got a little bit tight and they were pressing with their lineups and they didn't stick what's been with what's been working. And I think that, I think that messed up everyone. And I think they learned from it. I think the guys learned from it. And against Iowa, you saw they subbed at the 13 minute mark ish, just like they did at the battle for Atlantis. They got the subs in, they played well and everyone just played really, really well. They had, what, six or seven guys and, you know, double figures. It's hard to beat a team like that, man, where you have six or seven guys who are all doing their thing. You can't just stop one person. Um, you can't just focus on one or two guys or the other guys would just go off. Kind of like Villanova in 2018. You know, Michigan stopped five dudes, but one guy goes off. You know, and um, I think Michigan can win a national championship. And that's crazy to even think about. But, you know, the last two national championships, champions, they've had their, you know, you know their three top perimeter players um, shot at least 39.9% from three. That's, that's for Virginia and that's for uh, Villanova. And that's not even including France. Michigan has four guys shooting over 40% right now, not including France. And I think that's going to, over time, France is going to get to that point as well too. But it's going to be really interesting. That was a great question. Uh, Michigan, Iowa, that was that was a good game. Luca Garza went off for over 40. Uh, it was funny streaming that game. Um, you just, you know, Michigan's got to get a little bit tighter on the, on the defensive end, but they shot the lights out again. They, they play really well just as a team and, uh, they stretched the lead out when they, uh, needed to, they played well overall, uh, Michigan state struggled a little bit with Rutgers. Uh, it was like a two possession game and late in the second half, unfortunately, rocket Watts did get hurt. Um, and I really thought that they were going to have Lawyer play a little bit more minutes, but he registered a three trillion. Um, a three trillion means that you know three minutes played and no other stats were registered, no fouls, no shot attempts, no turnovers, assists, rebounds, nothing. So he had a three trillion. Um, Gabe and Aaron Henry played a, played a lot. Uh, combining for 70 minutes, I think that's huge for them. That's 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 better for Gabe's um, for Gabe's confidence, man. For Gabe's confidence, that's huge because now Gabe is putting in, you know, he's putting in, you know, he put up with like six shots, got to the line eight times, which is big for a jump shooter. That means that he wasn't really really you know settling, um, attacking the rim. Yes, he's a good shooter, but he's more than that. Uh, I think Izzo is. Um, I think Izzo is kind of over the lawyer thing. 
He may play a little bit against Oakland, but against any team where the game was within five or ten points, uh, I don't think he's going to trust him in the game for more than like one, two-minute stretches, um, which him well, that's basically him admitting that he completely missed on that, unfortunately. But I got my dude coming in here. We have Armchair Illini is about to join us. I'm going to get him in here, um, and we're going to have a fun conversation about the game coming up here on Wednesday. All right, y'all. We are back. I got Armchair Illini in with us. Alex, thank you so much for joining, man. Thank you for having me, man. Hey, so big game coming up. Um, Michigan's second road test. The first one didn't fare too well. Um, going to a – I'm not going to call you guys like a desperate team because uh, yeah. you guys really, you know, you have overtime against Nichols, who actually isn't that bad if you see the way that they've been playing this year. Um, down at home to Miami by 27 in the second half. You come back and almost win that game. Um, beating Maryland on the road. Maryland's a top five team. I think they're number four in the newest AP. Um, you're beating them by a couple possessions late on the road. And big three, turnover, foul, game over. Um so kind of explain like how this you know season has been for you guys. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it's year three of Brad Underwood's little era. And, you know, last year we had like a 12 and 21 record, but we beat Michigan State at home. We went on the road and beat Ohio State. Uh, you know, we played Gonzaga, who was like a top five team in Maui, like all the way until the wire. Um, so the problem was just that we were really young. And but we had, you know, we were playing tough in every single game. Uh, we didn't really get blown out. So, you know, a lot of people were high on this year and we had every single person come back except for our starting small forward. And, you know, going into the season, like looking at last season, I mean, like the one thing that we needed was size. And what Brad Underwood does is he brings in a, a five star, seven foot, 290 pound uh, center in Kofi Coburn. So. It looks like, you know, we have everything figured out. But, you know, going into that Miami game, we hadn't really played anyone. Uh, we, Like you said, we played Nichols, and we didn't really look that great in that game, but it was the first game of the year. Um, and then we went over, we went out west to Grand Canyon, and obviously that's like a tough environment, but it took a lot to beat them, and they're not very good. They're kind of trash. Yeah. Um, their, so. their pregame is nuts. Oh yeah, it's like a rave. It's, it's pre- like crazy. <laughs> Their pregame is crazy. I it saw someone put that up. I saw someone put that up, and then I couldn't help myself. I was like, "Was this after or before Davenport from the Glee?" When it was like a D two school. There. Exactly. Yeah. Went out there and got a dove right quick. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, like even like the reporters are saying like their their chairs were shaking, and like what the heck? And then Dan Marley's there. Um, but yeah, it took, it took a lot of effort to beat them and they're not very good at all. And then Arizona sort of slapped the, the heck out of us. They beat us by 21. Um, so going into the Miami game, it was like, okay, we kind of got woken up at the beginning of the year. We haven't been playing up to our expectations, but, um, these are some 
we had Miami, Maryland, and Michigan coming. So this was a chance to get a high major win. And then we came out against Miami and just were awful. Like we got down, I think it was 45 to 18. Like 27, yeah. 27 point, yeah. It looked awful, man. Like our offense was just very stagnant. And just I don't, stagnant. I think like last year um, when we played you guys uh, at our place, like Luke Yakovich was like calling out every single set that we had on offense. So this is, <laughs> we run like this predictable, like spread offense. I, you've probably seen it, like trying to scout us, but like it's like you know, guy goes to the the top of the elbow and then hands it off, and then we just throw throw the ball around. Elbow hit, elbow hit, elbow exactly. hit, elbow hit, elbow exactly. Hit. Like it is just like I'm like, bro, like what are y'all doing? Like do something else. Exactly. Oh and my then, gosh. So like people like high major teams are gonna scout that out and have like a counter towards it. So that's right. what happened against Miami, and we couldn't score. We weren't hitting shots, and then we were just. We just had no you know, like juice to us, so um, sort of going. And then we came back, which was nice because Miami's not that good either. I think they got like the the doors blown off of them. So like, I think they played Florida and they played UConn and they lost by twenty to like both teams. So they're right. not really that good either. So true, true. They were kind of in. They were kind of in like your boat. Exactly. Where, like they needed like, a high. They had one. opportunities, right? Exactly. They needed one bad. And then they, they had, like, this dude named, I think his name's, like, Chris Likes or something. Yeah, he's, like, 5'7". Right, yeah. he's, like, a little dude. Like, he yeah. makes Foster Lawyer look like Goran <laughs> Sutan or something. Like, <laughs> like, that dude is little. But that dude, but, 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 he is, that dude's 5'7". He but can he's actually play like, like he was 6'5". Yeah, That exactly. dude was nice. That yeah, dude can, can hoop. Unlike Foster, for sure. <laughs> that dude can hoop. <laughs> that dude can hoop, man. Yeah, um, for real. So how has, I mean, I know there's a lot of hype around. Um, I know uh, Coffee coming in, that was a huge get for you guys. And, and he's been doing okay as a big oh, guy. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging like like 15 and 10. Um, a lot of hype around Ao though. Um, yeah. Has he kind of lived up so far, or has he been a little bit of a of like a disappointment? Oh, definitely, he's definitely been a disappointment. Um, towards the end of the season, like he was getting uh, like lottery pick talks, which I thought was a little high for him. Um, he was playing really well, obviously that's why he got like those talks. But um, I think he was going f in the first round in almost every single mock draft that I saw. So even like him coming back was like a huge surprise. So. He sort of made like this whole big deal that he came back just to like help like Illinois get back to the NCAA tournament, all that. But he hasn't been that good this year. Um, and I think like the big thing has just been his weaknesses got sort of scouted and taken out because he's not he's not an above the rim athlete. He's kind of slow. He doesn't like elevate as high as most guards, and he's he's great in transition. But then once it slows down. Like he's not very good in the half court, and gotcha. um, hit the, the the knock against him has always been his jump shot. Like in high school, it was his jump shot that was always holding him back. And last year he shot okay. I think he shot like thirty five percent. This year he's shooting twenty eight percent. Yeah, he's up thirty this year. Yeah, so that's sort of falling down. I think he's he like played around with his jump shot release, and that's kind of hurting him. And then he's just turning it over, and he's not making guys better. And that's what you kind of need to do, like at the next level. You gotta make guys better, and then 
uh, be able to play in the half court, and he hasn't shown that. So he's kind of taken a step back, and it's 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 been kind of disappointing because, um, sort of like a side note, we got a kid that you guys try to get in on, Adam Miller. Um, you guys try to get in like kind of late, but he committed to us, but he didn't sign his NLI just because I think he wants to see if Io is actually going to go to the draft. So oh. for this year, like Io not being that good hurts us this year, but then it kind of hurts us in the long run. Cause if he stays like, I doubt that kid comes. So yeah, he's been kind of disappointing. So Adam Miller, where's he at now? So he and Io were high school teammates. They both play at Morgan Park in Chicago. Yeah, so I don't. It's not that they don't like each other. It's just that like his role changes so much if Io's still there, and I think he wants he, he wants, wants to, he wants to see. get yeah he wants to get in and out. So Gosh. I think that's why he's waiting until the spring to sign to see if Man. it actually happens. And, and Io's tripping right now. And Io's tripping. <laughs> Man, so kind of Michigan fans kind of want Io to continue to start tripping because if he stays, I mean, if you look at the two-guard spot at Michigan, I mean, Brooks is good, but, I mean, you know, Adam Miller's pretty good too. You know what I mean? But but is Adam Miller, like, is – is he a one and done type? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't think so. I think he thinks at six he is. three, <laughs> a six three one one seventy five one eighty. I don't know. Yeah, and he's not know. having that great of a senior year either. He's like, he's shooting like sub like thirty five percent from the field. I think so. Jeez, he could, <laughs> I guess he both of hoop. them got cold. Don't get me wrong. He could hoop. Don't get me. Oh wrong. yeah, for but sure. Like, like I, I don't know if he's uh, I don't know if he's one and done. Yeah, I don't know if he's one and done. He may have like the wrong folks talking to him. About yeah, that. definitely. I don't know about that. So Illinois, Michigan, Illinois is coming off of two heartbreaking games. One down by twenty-seven, and end up losing by two, like late. Um, and then you're beating Maryland. Like, like this is the game where Illinois kind of plays with nothing to lose. They go out there and make things happen and they're up double digits early and they're up by eight or nine with a few minutes left to go and then Maryland just kind of goes off and closes the the game on a big run Uh, what do you expect to happen this Wednesday man yeah I think it could go either both ways they could come out angry again or they can start kind of have like a I don't want to say like a hangover, but kind of like a letdown right. just because that, that, that game took a lot out of them and they had it. Um, like if you watch, I don't know if anyone watched the last minute of that game, but pretty much everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Went like wrong. We, had the, we had, we had, we had the game or no, we had like the chance to take the last shot and then we just tried to run like a simple ball screen and then they denied like the roll and then our guy, he's he's a JUCO guy. He comes off the bench. He like turned it over, and then we try to get it back because it's a loose ball, and then we end up fouling. Right. And then, I don't know. Let me get your thoughts on this though, because um, Anthony Cowan goes to the line. It's like I think it's a tie game, and then he hits the first shot, and then Brad Underwood calls a timeout. 
in between the first and the second free throw. And that's our last time out. And yep. I was like, what the heck are you doing? Like, why didn't he just wait till the second one? So it was it was just kind of weird. In my opinion, around. let me let me uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to that game right quick so I could see really how much time was left and I'll let you know. Yeah, okay. For sure. So that's in my opinion, that was the right call. Um, to, look, to call the timeout? Yeah, because look, there's two seconds left, right? Mm-hmm. He hits the first one. No matter what happens, make or miss, you're down by you're gonna be down by one shot, right? Yeah. If like you have to call a timeout there, because what's gonna happen next? Like if there is a if there's a situation where he makes it, you're down by two, you can call a timeout, right? Right. If there is if he misses it and you get the rebound, then try to call a timeout. You don't know what happens next. Like, so you're calling a timeout to go over two scenarios. Like, okay, mm-hmm. if he makes it, you know, this is what we're going to go to. If he misses it, you need to get, you have one pass and no dribbles. Right. You know what I mean? Just just to make sure that the guys know what's going on. Yeah. Because he, cause he has a young team. Right. You know what I mean? So um, I think that was just him just trying to make sure that his guys knew what the options were. If he had a more upperclassman team, he, exactly. He could have said, hey, look, um, hey, if he if he makes it, you know, throw it to half court and we'll call timeout as fast as we can. So now the ball's over half court with maybe with what? One point eight left. Something and that's like enough, that. and that's enough for like one dribble and a shot. Or a guy gets op- open, that's enough for just one shot. So that's like that's like the disadvantage of having an underclassman team because they just don't have the reps, they don't have the experience or anything like that. So he has to call that. You yeah. know what I mean? So unfortunately, um, unfortunately, that's just how that is, and and that's why. You know, it's so important to have upperclassmen um, who are oh, your better sure. players, but that just doesn't happen anymore. You know yeah, what I mean? exactly. and that's what Michigan is. Yeah, you know? so lucky. Like Xavier, Teske, they, they, they're livers. Yeah, I mean, these are upperclassmen who are talented, but they're not in the boat to leave early for the NBA, mm-hmm. and then you. Then you get you have a core like that, and then you plug in super talented underclassmen. I mean, like those are the and... those are the teams that win Big Ten championships and win NCAA titles, man. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what Beeline did such a great job just filling guys with like that stay for three or four years and just get better each and every year. Yeah, like I'm so jealous of that. Yeah, like you know Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman was huge. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of fans don't like him because fans are weird. But having <laughs> having like Zach Irvin and Derek Walton, like those guys, you know, did so much, you know, did so much to just keep the consistency for the team, you know. Even in, you know, in years that it could have been down, you know, they really kept that consistency to, you know, where you had those guys are the upperclassmen, then you have like Mo Wagner and DJ Wilson 
and then you had like Duncan Robinson there. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, man. And then you know having guys like Lillivers and Teske and and all that now, and then you even have you even have like Brooks, who's playing at a high level. I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, you know yeah, it's, it's nice. It's, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell, but do you think Jawan would keep trying to recruit to that, or do you think he would try to sort of aim for, like I saw you guys, uh, you guys got Isaiah Todd, and you guys were going for a lot of other guys. I think like Josh Christopher, yeah. and you guys were going for a bunch of other guys like that are top, you know, 30, 20 guys. It's going to think... be different. It's going to be yeah. different. And I'm not going to say I don't agree with doing that. I do agree, which is totally fine. But at the same time, you have to do that every year. If you slack one year, you're going to screw yourself for two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, totally. You know, that's, you know, if you look at K- Kentucky and Duke, how many Final Fours do they have in the last few years? None. <laughs> <laughs> Who recruits at a super high level every exactly. year? Yeah, you know what I mean? Guys. So it's not just about recruiting. You still need those guys who are going to be there for three or four years. Um, you still need to be good recruiters, but you need to get the right kids. It's, it's, it's not always about getting the best kids. You got to get the right kids. You got to get their high character guys. Because mm-hmm. these low character guys, they come in, they can sink the whole shit, man. And it, it can get ugly real, real quick. Yeah, It can definitely. get ugly really, really quick, man. Hey, yeah. but Armchair Illini... Alex, thank you again for coming on. Um, what is what are your thoughts about to, about uh, Wednesday, and what are you thinking about in terms of uh, you know who wins and by how many? Yeah, first off, thanks for having me, man. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of your tweets and all. Like I think you're hilarious, but <laughs> um, my I I'm sort of torn. I'm more so leaning towards you guys are probably going to wipe the floor with us. Like I've been saying that since like I saw you guys playing the Bahamas. I was like, man, like Simpson, Teske, those guys are going to chop us up. And I think like our best player has been that seven-footer that we got, Kofi. And right. I think Teske's just going to experience him down and shut him down. And then we're left with sort of no one. I think you guys are just too savvy and like we're too predictable. But then at the same time, I also feel like since it's our home crowd, I'm pretty sure it's like the last game before finals mm-hmm. for us. So I think... There could be a good student turnout, so it could, we could make it close. But I'm more so just leaning towards you guys winning by, like, 15. Really? Yeah. What do you think? Ooh. Honestly, like, I think uh, – because, like, right now, if you look at the like ESPN predictor, it, it oh, has, yeah. like, I saw Illinois is, like, a 65% chance to win the game. Yeah. Um, if you're looking at where they've been the last two games, I think that if Michigan had played – at Illinois after the Miami game, I mm-hmm. think Illinois could have gotten that one because they were so frustrated with the 27-point point loss. But those back-to-back games, that could be exhausting for a, a team's morale. Um, yeah. so it's a quick I just, too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I just think that um, I think – I don't think Illinois is going to be able to score enough um, especially, you know, doing that elbow hit the thing the yeah. entire time. We kind of scratched that, like, at the beginning of Maryland. Uh, we were, like, running, like, dribble weave and then, like, just simple ball screen. But then... Right. That's like, how you guys got know. got back in the... Uh, 
Miami yeah, game. exactly. Yeah, we scratched we scratched that stupid spread. And then, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of it, man. It's, <laughs> it's so predictable. Head is so bad. It's I so know because they do the same damn thing every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I got. I think. I think Michigan. Um, for some reason, is going to shoot just average, like mm-hmm. below average of what they usually do. But I think that um, – I just think that with experience, I think Michigan's going to pull it out and win by like six or seven. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. This is like the second road game for you guys, right, besides the – Second road game. Second okay. true road game, yeah. Um, you know what? I really wish that Michigan every year, they played a road game at Eastern – Western Central, like two of those. Oh yeah, like road game at Central, road game at like Western. Next year, road game at Western, road game at Central. What about Arkansas, man? Arkansas, I can't (laughs) stand. They just lost to Western Kentucky. I'm so hyped about that. They lost to Western Kentucky in football and basketball this year. I think. Oh my god, those that is so funny. That fight against the Arkansas fans is great. <laughs> I don't like 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 people think I like doing that. It's a little bit fun, but then having your Twitter flooded with a bunch of dudes with like three teeth, Park. it's just it's just not fun, man. Yeah. Um, and then they got it's just I don't know. Then they got all their little blog personalities coming at me. Then all their little followers start coming at me, and then yeah. I get to pick and choose of. Which hillbilly to roast, you know? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, Alex, thank you for uh, coming on, man. I do appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for the armchair line to join us. Um, that was a great conversation. Uh, um, as you guys know, as you guys know, Sea Geek, Sea Geek is in partnership with me. And if you plan to get a ticket for any event, any concert, any game, anything like that, go on to SeatGeek, download the app, or go on the website, SeatGeek, and um, put in my promo code. You get $20 off of your first purchase. Um, I'm all about saving you guys money. So SeatGeek, your first purchase, you get $20 off with my promo code, AntWright. And right is the promo code, A-N-T-W-R-A-G-H-T, and I will talk to you all soon.